friends. Uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, uh, mindfulness of six senses and uh, the fetters, the ten fetters that arise uh, when we're not mindful. You have a list of ten again, <laughs> but don't worry. Some of these fetters, you are familiar with them. Actually, are similar to five hindrances. Again, as usual, structure my my talk on the four noble truths based on the four noble truths. That's the same template. What's a fetter? How does it arise? I mean, uh, the origin of the fetters and uh, the end cessation. Uh, of fetters and the way, the path that leads to the cessation of the fetters. Four things I'm going to talk about. Yes. Fetters. F-E-T-E-R. These are mental defilements and wholesome states of minds that binds us to the round of birth and death, what we call samsara. Hmm? And the Pali word is samyojana, samyojana. Sam together, yojana, basically joining. So joining together, what joins us together on this realm of suffering? Really, that repeated birth and suffering. That's what Sanyojana means. So you know what it is. In the Buddhist teaching, we find it somewhere. They give ten fetters, but sometimes the list is as, uh, as small as one fetter. <laughs> and sometimes talk about seven. In the, uh, in the scriptures, the canon, Pali canon, they talk about ten. But in Abhidharma, they talk about the same ten, the list of ten, but still different names. But still, it's very important to know that these are things, the mental states that binds us to this will of birth and death. So you know what are the, 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 the fetters. I'm going to list them. They are our favorite one. Uh, Self-identity view. Hmm? Uh, I've already talked about it many times. I hope you you're going to remember. Yeah, this is a fetter. Hmm? Self, uh, the Pali word sakayaditi. That means uh, the wrong view, hmm? the, or simply view hmm? 
of self-identities. That's, that's what ties us to samsara. And then uh, we have uh, skeptical doubt. We have doubt, which is called skeptical doubt. That should not be uh, confused with doubt as a hindrance. This is qualified as skeptical. Another one is attachment to rules and rituals. That's the third one. The fourth one is greed, sensual desires. The fourth, the fifth is uh, is aversion, ill will. Mm-hmm. That means our will is ill. Mm-hmm. That's it. That will tire us. That's enough to tire us, you know. Then uh, we have craving for material existence. Uh, those who know Buddhist cosmology, but it's called rupa, uh, loka, uh, form, existence. These are realms which are uh, those people who attain jhanas, they go to first jhana, they want to exist in these realms, especially material jhanas. And then there's another one which is craving for immaterial existence. And then we have conceit, and then we have uh, restlessness, and ignorance. Those are ten fetters. Don't worry about remembering them. I have a list here. I'm going to post it. Hmm? There's a whole list here. It's written here. I'm going to post it after this talk. So, those of you, um, some of you actually, you're already familiar with these ten fetters. The Buddha integrated them in the the fourth foundation of mindfulness. The fourth foundation of mindfulness. And I'm going to read it um, for you, straight from the discourse itself. So here, the Buddha is talking about mindfulness of dhammas, six senses. Of course, yesterday, uh, Brian talked about seven factors, all belongs in the same group of contemplation, the fourth contemplation. I'm just going to start somewhere in the middle so that it's not repetitive. He knows or one knows, but he and the sutta, they talk about he, but you can say, you can substitute he with one. One knows the I, he knows forms, he knows the feta that arises dependent on both. And he also knows how an arisen feta can arise. How an a reason fetter can be removed and how a future arising of the removed fetter can be prevented. So he goes on, 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 on Buddha goes on uh, talking about all the six senses and uh, once he has finished the six 
And then, of course, the suture goes in a very standard way, like others uh, that we talked about this. So that's all what we need to know about this topic. The rest you practice in a way that you've been practicing with hindrances, uh, knowing the, uh, the conditions, uh, for instance, you know. Let me see if it is. Uh-huh. Okay, we, 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 we need to know the conditions for arising of the feta, and then uh, the condition for removing it, and also the condition for not arising in the future. It looks that like a lot, but actually that's what we do here in mindfulness of five hindrances. So, mindfulness of six senses. For me, this practice has been very profound for me, especially off the cushion. Uh, when I go off the cushion, when I'm walking, I just become aware. Oh, when I just arrived here from Uganda, the trees were so beautiful. And then I would see the two your leaves dancing like this. And I was just looking at it. And I said, seeing, 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 seeing. All the time I would just be walking along the loop. I said, seeing, seeing. Because it's so beautiful. It was just like walking in a garden of flowers here. Because in Uganda, the trees, it's all the same color, you know green, you know, but here, so beautiful. But then I started asking, who's behind watching all this? I started asking this question, you know. Yeah, so then there's no sense of I. I wanted to make sure that, just checking that there's no sense of I, seeing all these beautiful trees, you know. Even now, today I went for a walk, there's some kind of trees around the huts, that, that house. They delayed actually to change colors. And every time I walk there, I just look at them and say, wow, this is so beautiful, but don't get attached to it. <laughs> I remind myself like that. So this practice has been so useful for me, mindfulness of six senses. That means seeing, hearing, uh, tasting, touching, and smelling, and thinking. This practice it helped me a lot when I've just arrived in Uganda. When I just arrived in Uganda, it was just like a lot of things going on there as a monk, you know. So then uh, a group of people, I would pass them and say, he's a Shaolini master, he's going to kick you. He's, he's a Kung Fu master, he's going to kick you. Because they have watched some movies from China, every time they see a monk, they think that somebody's going to kick them. <laughs> So they said, don't, they would say, don't speak to him. He won't speak anything, but stay away from him. He's going to kick you. <laughs> so then I would just say, hearing, hearing, hearing. And then they say, he's going to a mental hospital, you see? He's not putting on a shirt and a pair of trousers. Maybe there's something wrong with this person. They, they say, he's going to a mental hospital. Sometimes they would say, oh, he's coming from a mental hospital. Either we're coming, going, I would say, hearing, hearing, hearing. <laughs> and then I told those people who really got so impressed with my robes, and they say, wow, we like this robe. One time I asked them, do you know what it means to put on this robe? You take 227 precepts. Are you ready? He said, not yet. But they were just saying, wow, where do you get this fabric? 
It's amazing. <laughs> Sometimes I'm at the airport and see somebody touching me. <laughs> I say, wow, this actually I don't know anything. This is cotton, actually. And I don't know, maybe they put together. I don't know how they really get so much impressed. Mm-hmm. They get impressed about it. They touch it. And then they say, wow, we like the fashion. Uh, this is not the fashion show. But always people think so, you know. So every time I go to the airport, they say, wow, you, you are smart. Hearing. I would say hearing. Hearing. All the time. So I found out that this practice has helped me not get pulled in, you know, and pulled, pulled away with unpleasant. Because sometimes people say, <laughs> there's some people when they told me that I'm going to go to hell and burn with, with my robes in hell. That's what they told me. You, you, you are going to go to hell and burnt, you know? What are you, because they associate with this one with like witch, they think that it's witchcraft, actually. They don't know. Sometimes they think that I'm from West Africa. So they never knew that actually I'm a monk, actually, most people, you know? Now they have maybe known because they put it on a newspaper and all that. But still, many people, they think that either I'm from West Africa, but I'm from East Africa, or I'm a witch, or I'm going to mental hospital and all that. So what I have done with this sixth sense is always noting, thinking, hearing. Every time, I don't care whether it's a compliment or it's something that is insulting me, hearing. I just stay with hearing, hearing. Hearing. And I saw actually the, the fetters were not arising. Aversion was not arising actually. It was amazing. And also when they say this is a beautiful fashion and also we, we like this, this robe, I, I, pride doesn't come. Conceit doesn't come. Hmm? Because actually that's part of the training. When you ordain, you, every time you are turning your robe like this, you have to reflect that I'm putting on this robe, not for pride, yeah? but to protect myself from uh, insects and the elements of weather. That's our training, actually. As soon as you ordain, always when you put on your, your robe, you have to repeat it. But now it's part of us, with, I don't repeat it anymore. But in the beginning, always you have to repeat this. So any comment that somebody make on this robe, we know where to put it. Hearing. Hearing. So this instruction I found out to be very helpful, actually. When the Buddha is saying that when you practice this way, you can know when these fetters are rising. This is the fate of, ar- of aversion, the fate of greed, you can, or even conceit. You can see if you really keep on top of things. So I like this practice. Hmm? Six senses. I practice it in the bathroom, smelling, smelling, smelling. I remember I was in Brazil. I was traveling with a friend of mine from England, and uh, we reached a dumpster. And for for him, he was closing his nose like this all the time with a handkerchief. For me, I was not. I was just noting, smelling, 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 smelling. And then one time he asked me, "My name is Stephen. Stephen, why are you not covering your nose?" I told him I'm covering it with mindfulness. <laughs> I'm covering my nose with mindfulness. So it was amazing how I was, I go, I was going through all the smell, you know, uh, without having to cover my, 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 my nose. And this is very important, actually. Most people think that this practice, uh, it means going through the world, like closing your eyes. 
and putting plaques so that you don't hear anything and covering your nose. Uh, but uh, the Buddha one time he said that if it was like that, uh, it's this six senses practice or six sense restraint is about not seeing and not hearing. All people who are deaf, hmm, they will be enlightened. Eh? All people who are deaf will be enlightened, but they're not. <laughs> and also blind people are not enlightened, you know. So it's not about closing our senses and we close off from the world. It's about how can we maintain mindfulness at the moment of seeing something so that you stay with that, just that experience, you know. And this instruction already that the Buddha gave to Bahia, you remember one of us talked about Bahia, I think it was Rebecca. I think it's bear, it bears repeating. Maybe we have some people similar to Bahia here who, who, who can just practice like that. The Buddha gave this instruction to Bahia. See, let me see. The instruction to Bahia. Yes, I think this is bear bit repeating. When Bahia, you are, this is the instruction the Buddha gave. When Bahia for you in the scene is merely what is seen. And in the heart, there's only merely what is hard. In this sense, which cover testing, touching, smelling, that's what the Buddha talked about, sensed. There's only what is sensed. And the cognized, there's only what's cognized. And the sutta, as you remember, it goes and goes on. Uh, you remember what uh, last time Rebecca said, I think. But what's very interesting here is Buddha saying that bhikkhus, monastics, practitioners, and because, the, of course, the monks ask where, where did Bahia go because as, uh, he was knocked by a cow, you know, and died. And the Buddha told the, the people to take him to cremate him. But what's very interesting is the ending here. Bhikkhus, Bahia, the bark cloth, uh, I think was wearing on a bark cloth, which actually is a popular cloth in Uganda also, was a wise man. He practiced according to the Dhamma and did not trouble me with disputing by disputing about the Dhamma. Because Bahia, the back cloth, has attained final Nibbana. So I looked again at this discourse, which always I come to, always and always, and they say, how does somebody who didn't attend a three-month retreat like us, who eh? was not even a Buddhist, eh? I mean, just came from nowhere, you know, just thought that he was enlightened, and somebody said, no, you are not. There's somebody who is enlightened, who is the Buddha. And said, so, okay, let me and see this Buddha, wherever, where the Buddha is. And this, this sort of leaves a lot of questions for me than answers. First is, how can somebody didn't hear even the noble eightfold path? Didn't hear about dependent origination? Didn't hear about even anatta? And just got on this instruction. Was it the Buddha's power? Was it because this guy had practiced so many paramis? But actually he had a lot of concentration, but he didn't have insights. So then also then I, I bring it to us, you know. Do we have Bahia here? Maybe people who got the instruction and they already 
attain something, but we don't know because this is not going to, do, to, to go to New York Times. I mean, we won't know, actually. <laughs> we are here practicing with you, but after the retreat, no one is going to be put in New York Times you know, that he has attained something. <laughs> so we, we are in a big not knowing. <laughs> we don't know. We have no clue. This is a private experience, you know. I mean, the instructions are here. There's not more than that. It's in the scene, in the scene, there's only the scene. That's the instructions. And this is what we are talking about today, actually. And nobody's really even thinking about going to the, whatever the news in your area, Barry or Barry, I don't know the Barry Times or what. <laughs> Nobody even think about it. So we don't know. So then the question comes, do really the practice leads to enlightenment because we don't know who has attained enlightenment. Sometimes I, I think about something, but then I say maybe it's papancha, you know. <laughs> you know, we have to cross-check already. <laughs> we haven't figured it all, actually, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes we have to also to keep in check, you know, whether it's papancha or not, you know. Sometimes I wish the scientific the science community invade certain kind of gadgets that can tell us the scale of Nibbana, how far we are. You know? It's called S-O-N, sun, scale of Nibbana. So all meditators will be here the first month, you know, they will just scale them and say, well, you're getting close, you know? <laughs> Not there yet, you know? You need more concentration, more of this, more of that, you know? I mean, we have so many scales of our speed, you know, they were driving a car, we have a scale of that and all that. I mean, the first time I thought about this is uh, I have a ritual that I do every year in January. I go to New York to teach, and then I said, let me go to Florida and spend some, not to get a tan, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have different reasons. <laughs> I want to retire there. Because I fly in New York normally on the third, and I teach at Union Theological Seminary, and for me, I feel that like that's a quick turnaround. Within five days, I go back to Uganda. I say, okay, let me just actually chill a little bit down there. So I fly to the monastery in Florida, and then we had, a, I have a, a devotee there, a friend of mine, is a doctor. He said, Bante, I want you to take, I want to take you to NASA. I say, oh, that's fine. I, I, I used to like science. I accepted. So he bought a ticket and everything. We went there. And for the first time, I saw the rocket going into the space. I was so impressed, actually. <laughs> but then the next thing that came was Papancha. I said, I wish all the money they have spent to go up there, they spend it to go here, and so that all beings become enlightened, and no problem. Because it's a lot of resources that have been pumped to go into there, but less resources to go here, 
And I feel that I think if there's some resources that can be more resources dedicated on how to attain Nibbana, there will be no problems. Anyway, that's, you can call it papancha, but that's what I thought of. Let's go to the talk. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure whether I'll finish even this, this talk. All right, we start. When you say visible object, you have to be very clear about it because sometimes we confuse things. Actually, what you are seeing is bante. That's what you are seeing? All of you are seeing bante, but that's not right. You are seeing a visible object. (laughs) And what you are thinking about bante? Okay, let's put it on a bell. What are you hearing? You're going to say you're hearing a bell. Are you hearing a bell? No way. You are hearing sound. That's what you're hearing. You are hearing sound. You are, what you are, you are thinking of, you are thinking of a bell. That's the right thing. But for most part, did you hear the bell ringing? That's not correct. You can't hear the bell. <laughs> you can only hear the sound. And there is a particular sense for that. And there is a particular sense for the mind to think about a bell. Because so many people actually, you present these things, they don't think there's a bell. No wonder when I go with my arms bone in Uganda, they want to buy it. They think it's a basket. <laughs> yeah? so for me, I'm the only one who, who knows that it's an arms bone. Other people have never seen the arms ball. <laughs> they, they have no idea what they are seeing. I remember I was in Heathrow. I used to fly so much from, from Washington, D.C., go to Uganda through Heathrow. I reached the British Airways, and then the people, you know, these flight attendants, they start drumming my arms ball. I said, this was amazing for me, you know. <laughs> They said this could be a very good peer for, I mean, the flight thing they say, they thought might be drumming. It's, and I'm African, you know. They, I have something like a small drum, you know. <laughs> so it's very interesting. And then I, it's, I reached Heathrow Airport also. I was there in, in the restaurant. There, it's sitting there, you know. Somebody said, wow, this is a beautiful drum. So people who never seen something, they don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so actually we are thinking of something we know because it's perception that we know it. If you have never seen it, it's a problem. So we are really actually hearing a bell and thinking of a sound. So when you are practicing, you have to be very careful about this. So hearing, hearing, hearing. And if this is a bell that you like, wow, where can I buy that bell? Hooked, feta, desire. If you don't like this sound, oh, this is terrible, aversion comes. Yes, so this is a very interesting area to watch. And uh, we are going to progress slowly by slowly to see, but at least I've demonstrated those two senses, eh? seeing and hearing. Make sure that you are really doing the right thing. It's hearing, hearing, hearing. If it's thinking, thinking, thinking. But of course, in a communication, you cannot dispute with people. And when somebody's hearing a bell, you say, no, 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 you're hearing sounds. 
It's not very good. I told you to sit in a window practice, eh? Do you remember my offering, eh? Yeah. So if the whole world thinks that they are hearing a bell, don't dispute with them. The reality is that we are hearing sounds and we are thinking of bells. So sit in a window practice. When it comes to really the reality, when in meditation, try to be aware of sound, hearing, hearing. And in meditation, no need even to identify the source of the sound. No need to identify the source of the sound. All right, so uh, we said that we're going to progress from uh, knowing what's the fetus, the origin of fetus, and, uh, and the end of fetus. The origin, I'm going to read some suttas, and then you can get a sense of origin. Uh, but I want to go so to the end. End of fetus, the Pali words called niroda, niroda, cessation, nibbana. Already 12 gave a talk on on Nibbana, you know, so this is so beautiful talk, you know, uh, of Nibbana. But you know that the Pali word I like very, very much is called Niroda. The word Roda means prison, confinement, bondage. Then Ni, it's not. So not confinement, not bondage. So in other words, uh, the way uh, to end this kind of uh, fetters is non-clinging, uh, nibbana, or uh, uh, no prison or no confinement. So that's where uh, we are now. We know that what it really means, cessation of, of suffering. So, but I will spend more time on the origin and also the ends by reading some of the suttas to get some ideas. It's by Bhikkhu Bodhi. I, I went in January to see him this year, and he gave me this newest book, and I thought of reading from him. Some small, small suttas. One of them is, on seeing a form with the eye, the monk or the practitioner does not grasp on its signs and features since if he felt the eye faculty unguarded, evil and wholesome states of, of longing and dejection might invade him, he, he practiced the way of its restraint. He guards the eye faculty, he understands the restraint, Restraint, restraint of the eye faculty, so is on hearing and also on on and on, on. So, since if he left the mind faculty unguarded, evil and wholesome states of longing and dejection might invade him. He practices the way of its restraints. He guards the mind faculty. He undertakes the restraint of the mind faculty. That means. How the fetters arise is simply is not being mindful. So you have to be mindful. The practice then is to be mindful. It's a very interesting discourse uh, about. Uh, there are very small, small discourses that I will just uh, give some in uh, some reading. 
not the entire discourse. This is sutta is called Pahana Sutta. Pahana means abandoning, since Sanyuta Nikaya. This the Buddha said, I'll teach you, monks, the Dhamma for abandoning all. When the Buddha is talking about the world, he talked about the world of five aggregates, the world of six senses. According to him, this is what we call the world, and he called it the all, A-double-L. So now here he's talking about how to abandon the all. Listen to that. And what monks is the Dhamma for abandoning, the, uh, abandon, abandoning all? The I is to be abandoned. Forms are to be abandoned. Eye consciousness is to be abandoned. Eye contact is to be abandoned. And whatever feeling arises with, uh, with eye contact as a condition, whether pleasant or ple- uh, painful or neither painful nor pleasant, that too is to be abandoned. So it goes to the ear. So now, don't abandon your eyes. <laughs> this doesn't mean that leave your eyes and put on something. No, no, no. That's what I've already told you. Is mm, be mindful at the moment of seeing. Eh? Don't get attached in your own. Uh, on, uh, or don't attach to your. Don't get attached to your eyes. Don't get attached to to the visible objects. Don't attach. Get, don't get attached to seeing. This is actually a form of a dependent origination also which you should also know very well. With, with six senses, there's a small dependent origination there. It doesn't start so much with ignorance. Here it starts with the sense organs and sense objects. So then there's eye, visible object. Here, why don't we do with the bell? So there is, uh, you hit the bell like this. So what you hear is what's called ear consciousness. So there's hearing, hearing, and then there's contact ear contact, then there's a, what to call uh, f- the together, that's emerging property, mm-hmm. e- ear consciousness, uh, I mean ear contact is the emerging property, so now after that there's feelings, it's going to happen, not all of you are going to like this sound, other people say it's too, it's too loud, you know, other people, why don't you hit it softly, so many people are going to have a different way of relating to these feelings, eh? mm-hmm. sometimes it's going to be unpleasant, Pleasant or neutral, you know. Then there is craving, all right. Then there's clinging, and then there's, uh, of course, becoming and so forth. So that's the dependent origination that she, that you should really actually be familiar with, because it's where all the fetters are going to arise from in that process. If you're not familiar with it, fetters are going to arise like that. So we are going to always to come back to it again and again. So I think this, uh, let me read this last one, which I liked very much. On one occasion, this is called Aditta Sutta, burning. This is from Sanyuta Nikaya. On one occasion, the blessed one was dwelling at Gaya, at Gaya's head, together with a, a thousand monks. There, the blessed one addressed the monks. Monks, all is burning. And what monks is all that is burning? You say the eye is burning, forms are burning, eye consciousness is burning, eye contact is, is burning, and whatever feeling arises with eye contact as a condition, whether pleasant 
or uh, painful uh, or neither painful nor pleasant is too burning. So this discourse, I like it very much because one time I stayed in a hostel. I stayed in a hostel and they used to, the students used to trigger this fire alarm on Saturdays. Hmm? I'm telling you. I have to leave everything behind. There's no time to look even for my passport. So that's the immediate the Buddha taught us, and that's why maybe Bahia got enlightened, because he was seeing in the seeing there's only the scene, you know. So this sense of urgency, yeah, when you know that the eyes are burning with fire, are you going to stay a little bit and linger around? And maybe I said this picture, I like it very much. Maybe you in your homes, you know this. In fact, it happened to also at IMS. It was a retreat here where the, the alarm went off and we all had to leave, you know. <laughs> so there's no time to say, where is my Dhamma book, you know. You all go out, you know. So the Buddha talked about that the eyes are burning with fire. What's that fire? The fire of greed, the fire of hatred, the fire of ignorance, and all other fetters, of course. So for me, whenever I'm looking at something, and when I, I'm really hooked, I say, wow, I have, eyes are burning. <laughs> really, actually, you look at something and you get hooked, you know that it's burning. When, it's, it's, especially with aversion, wow. It's amazing, you know. We see things and then you, immediately aversion arises. And then when you see something, desire arises. And if we don't know, ignorance arises, delusion and all. So anyway, that's uh, something that uh, I like about this book. It's called The Four Noble Truth, and, uh, The Heart Incense of the Buddha's Original Teaching. It's lovely. I love it. So anyway, those are discourses that uh, we see uh, regarding the six senses. You know how, now, how fate arises. We are going to go to ten of them, one by one. Hmm? Ten fetters. The first one. Now we are with the instructions where the Buddha told, tells us that you know. The other instructions are about just knowing, eh? just seeing, hearing. That's, there are two levels, of, two levels of instruction here. One is just know that they are seeing, seeing, seeing. So that one, then the fetters are not going to arise because you stay with only seeing, not, oh, seeing, I like it. Seeing, I don't like it, like that. So, oh, oh seeing, I don't know. So this is the first level of instruction. But the second kind of level of instruction in this discourse, he's talking about knowing the condition for arising. Of course, paying unwise attention. Let's say for aversion. Paying unwise attention to the theme of irritation. That's how aversion arises. Now, Paying, uh, like, to know when the fate is removed, also we need to practice mindfulness, knowing it. This is really actually now paying wise attention. The other one was unwise attention. That's how it arose. But once it, you want to remove it, then you pay wise attention and mindfulness to the theme, of, like for aversion, you pay mindfulness attention to the theme of meta loving kindness. When you do that, aversion is go going to go out of the window. But the rest of the instruction is how 
do we practice so that it doesn't arise in the future? And that calls for really knowing these four stages of enlightenment. That's when these, um, these uh, fetters don't arise in the future. So it's a little bit thick, but bear with me. It's the, t- the teaching that we have, and maybe some of you, you already cut off them, you know. You never know. So the first one is called Sotapana. That's for the future, non-arising of this feta, which is called self-identity, the condition is to attain the first level of enlightenment. It's called Sotapana. The word Sota is very, very important. Sota means three things. Sota means three things. Uh, I, sorry, the ear. No wonder people who get enlightened, we call them listeners. Those who don't get enlightenment, they're just hearing. One word sometimes go here, another one go here. We tell them about there's no self, non-self. One go here and go through here, you know, Uh, intellectually, you know. (laughs) They're just hearing, you know. Yeah, what did he say? Oh, yeah, he talked very good. But you are not listening, you know. So that's why the word sota means ear, which hope that you listen to the Dharma, you know. We call Savaka people who listen. So, but that also makes sense, but I think what makes even more sense, Buddha, when he used the word sota, metaphorically, and when he attained the first level of enlightenment, the Buddha used the word sota metaphorically, uh, like a river has stream, the stream, the stream goes downwards and goes to the, to the ocean, you know. It doesn't go back, you know. It's just once you go there, you are destined, destiny, destiny you, are, you are going to arrive at the final goal. I think Tuel talked about that. You remember when she was talking about the water and the top of the mountain, river rates and all these things, finally it goes down. So the, the sense of stream is really going until you reach your final destination. So that's a metaphor. But what I want to tell you in Sanyuta Nikaya, the Buddha is talking about the word Sota as the noble eightfold path. It's the path that leads you to overcoming this, uh, this, uh, this feta. Because the attainment is called, is called sotapana. Apana means enter. enter. So entering the noble eightfold path. You are entering the noble eightfold path for the first time. You overcome this uh, feta, which is called believing in permanent self. Do we still have people who have uh, self, actually? Just for, to check, you know, after all these talks. To be very take to take a... a you, see, you see, when I teach at IMS, I, people, they don't raise their hand, you know. But in, my, in Uganda, I tell them, now you stand up if you think you have a self. They will stand up. There is a hand, but now I have to oh, confirm to the model of other teacher. But I enjoy a lot of teaching when I'm teaching in my temple. I tell people, raise your hand if you still have a self. Then I, if I get to know those people, then I'll teach them. <laughs> because in order to overcome a self, I'm going to recap, you need to look at four things. Hmm? Four things. And you check one by one. And if you say no to them, you don't have a self. But in the morning, don't ask me if there's no self. Then he was listening to the Dhamma talk. <laughs> because I'm not going to be here to answer that question. <laughs> the first things you need to check are very, very simple. One, core. 
Mm? You check all the five aggregates, whether there's a core in them. And if you don't find, put no. If you find a core, then you put yes. Then we go to permanence. Mm? Five aggregates. Find anything which is permanent. Mm? You look at the body. You tell me whether it's permanent or not. You look at uh, the things. You, you come here in the morning and say, I'm going to have pleasant feeling the entire day. I like to hear that person who say that. Then they will confirm they have a self, you know. And then you check about your perception. You check about the mental formation. Mindfulness is one of them, actually, in mental formation. Anybody who has been sitting here and they have 100% mindfulness the whole day? No. It's changing, it's changing all the time. That means it is no self, you know. Non-self, you know. And then you go to consciousness. That's the second check, checkpoint. This, the third checkpoint is blissful and happiness. Hmm? You say you sit here and the, all the day you are happy. Hmm? Everything, the body is happy, no pain, nothing. All you have happiness, feelings, you know. You say no, then you are on the other side. You're on my side. <laughs> uh, then the last check point. This is the last checkpoint. Hmm? To find out if there's any of the five experiences, it's unconditioned. The body is conditioned. Yeah? You have to eat food, you have to do this. It's conditioned. Eh? And the feelings are conditioned by contact. Perceptions conditioned. So since you say no to the four things, then you are here already. You may not know that, <laughs> but Really, you are there, at least theoretically. The rest is practice. And the practice even is very simple. All what you have to do is to pick out of those four criteria and just pick maybe a Nietzsche and a Dukkha. And you practice with that. So you practice what you call Anatta Lakana. You know the science, and the practice is called Anicca. No, so it's called Anatta Nupasana. So sing along with those two characteristics only. Because one side, if on one side of the coin is anicca, impermanence, the other side of the coin is non-self. Still doubting? Are you doubting? This is it. <laughs> the rest is practice. <laughs> so now that's the first thing you need to break. The first fetter has to be eradicated. Is called belief in a permanent self. You don't have that belief. Do you? I don't think so. Really, I'm really honest about this. Because the only four things, I don't think anybody can answer yes anywhere. Again, you can't raise your hand, you know. <laughs> For me, it's a simple template. I see nobody answering yes on any of those four things. I can't see anybody doing that. Anyway. Skeptical doubt. Second one. Skeptical doubt, actually, you should not confuse this skeptical doubt with the doubt of whether I should watch the breath here, breath here, or whether should I practice meta, compassion. That's called uncertainty. Here, skeptics, the special kind of people who believe in something that is outside the noble eightfold path. Hmm? 
In other words, uh, they don't believe in karma, they don't believe in the Buddha. They, in fact, the skeptics are very funny also. They, they don't believe in anything, and they don't, they don't practice anything. And they don't practice anything because they don't believe in anything. So they keep on going in circles. In fact, the word witchkitcher means very difficult cure, you know, by knowledge, you know. And I think some of you have exp- ex- experienced some form of doubt in one form or fashion, but uh, uh, the other doubt, uh, make, let me make a distinction first between the five aggregates, uh, I mean five hindrances and the, the fetters. So you see a tree. Hmm? A tree has leaves and it has uh, branches, it has stem. That's all what we, uh, we call five hindrances. What is in a root you don't see? The roots. Do you see the roots? No. What you don't see is the fetters. So that's the, the connection between the fetters and the, the five hindrances. So some of them carry the same name. Like, for instance, um, it will. It's, a, it's also a fetter. But when it comes to doubt, this is called skeptical doubt. These are skeptics. In fact, skeptical people, uh, every time you talk about dependent origination, they say no, there's no dependent origination. Everything happened by chance. So if somebody believes in independent origination, then you don't have doubt, skeptical doubt. Because these people have doubt in the dependent origination, they have doubt in the, the vulnerable truth, they have doubt about past, present, and future, or both. They have doubt in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. But our yogi is here, I think you've been listening to talks about dependent origination. And I gave even the simplest dependent origination last time. Hmm? The body affects the body, mind affects the mind, and the other way around. So you already know how to do this. And people who had this skeptical doubt, they used to believe in Jiva, Atta, and that the Jiva, Atta is going to go to uh, the what's called Prama, Atta. Hmm? So now the people were doubting about the past and future, or the, what's going to be the future of the self that is going to go to the Mahabrahma, what about the past and all that. But a person who knows about dependent origination, you can't doubt about the past and future. You can't. Because you know these are the causes and these are effects. So, but when you're not mindful, <laughs> those doubts are going to ha- happen. You're not mindful enough to know about dependent origination, the causes and effects. So you're going to have skeptical doubts. So these are easy to, to really arise in our practice, but we can abandon them when we attain the first level of enlightenment. You may have doubts, but that is actually is being nourished by skeptical doubt. So you need to work from the roots now. <laughs> you need to work from the roots by mindfulness of six senses. Now, number third. Hmm? The third is called attachment rights and rituals. Uh, these are dogmatic attachments hmm, to right, rules and rituals. And these are rich, rules and rituals that existed uh, during the, um, the time of the Buddha where people, they had the dog ascetics, uh, I mean rules whereby they behave like dogs and cows, and they felt that that's the way to purification. And even the thought that actually massing yourself in water, you're going to get purified, but the Buddha say, well, frogs will be all enlightened. Hmm? Fish, you know, all the fish will be enlightened. If you think that just massing yourself in water, you'll get enlightened. 
you know. But also, leave alone during the time of the Buddha, these things can come hmm? uh, now in Bari here. Hmm? You see people bowing like this, and then you bow down. You ask, why are you bowing down? Ah, because I don't know. Um, maybe I, I saw the teacher doing it. So bow down also can be a form of rites and rituals, but I know how to navigate around it. I found out people can do rites and rituals uh, out of ignorance. They don't know. Out of peer pressure, hmm? because other person is doing it, then they do it. You ask them, what are you, why are you doing it? Because I saw somebody doing it. But also you can do these rites and rituals out of wisdom. Out of wisdom and understanding. But I think this is not the problem of North Americans here or Western people. Western people, they don't do so much of rituals, you know. <laughs> you, you, you investigate. You are very good at investigating. And even the question came up, okay, we, we, we see people bowing down. What's the all about it? I think Brian talk, talked about it. So then you do things out of wisdom. For me, actually, what I did one time, this is what I did. I'm going to sidestep this attachment to rites and rituals. So what I did always is to translate every ritual into Buddhist teaching. Like Because something to become an attachment to rites and rituals, that means is uh, you are doing something which is not connected to the noble truth, or the uh, I mean the the noble truth or the eightfold path directly or indirectly. So then I say, okay, now when I'm bowing down, I'm going to say I purify my mind, my speech, and body. Every time I would go bow down, I would say I purify my mind, speech, and body, and that's part of the noble eightfold path: purifying your body, speech, and mind. So then, when I would bow down to the Buddha. I would bring in the full foundation of mindfulness. Intention to bow down. Intention, intention, intention. And then the body touches the ground. Ah, this is the, the first foundation of mindfulness. Mindfulness of the body. All right? Then I would feel the gratitude to the Buddha. Then a pleasant feeling would arise. Then I would feel pleasant feeling. I say this is the second foundation. And then something would come and say this is the third foundation. And the fourth foundation. Of course, touching is part of the six senses touching, that became to be my practice. So that everything I would do, I would really uh, assure that it's part of the noble eightfold path so that I'm not really carried away, you know. So this is very, very important because uh, rules and rituals can be wholesome and unwholesome. So it's very important to convert these things so that they're directly related. All right. If you break all of three, you attain the first level of enlightenment. And that's the dust. Who talked about the cement of the dust? Was it you? Fingertip. Yeah, fingertip. Yeah, fingertip. That's all what is left. Wow! It will be a wonderful to end this three-month retreat, and we have all people this much left. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> it will be such a wonderful thing. You know? Do you know what's much left? These fingertips. I don't know Buddha's hands, but mine is so small. But this much suffering left also. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's only, in fact, to make it practical for you, do one thing only. Do one thing. <laughs> what did we say? Just break through the self-identity view. Just break that. You can start now. 
Today's Monday. Tuesday, you can start chipping off. <laughs> Seven days, no pressure. <laughs> Take the whole day and say, you know, I'm going to look at five aggregates. There's no core. I'm going to find out if there's any core. And the end of the day, you mark that one. You go to the Wednesday. I'm going to look whether any of the aggregate is conditioned or not. You click that one. What's left? <laughs> Let's try it. It's good to give it a shot, you know. The only one. The rest actually, phew, once you do that, that's where we get all that. Actually, that's where we get, that's where we get these uh, rites and rituals, and that's where we get skeptical doubt, because of one thing, you know. So now we go to the rest, which is, I think, very common to you, sensual craving and ill will. When we, when we attenuate that one, we go into the second level of enlightenment, which is called one's return. But once we break all of the five lower fetters, we, they call them lower fetters, not that they are very easy to overcome, but actually belongs to the lower world, which is called sensual world. It's Kamaroka. Then we have other fetters to go. Craving for fine existence, they're called higher fetters because the people who want to go to the higher world, they will call them Rupa Loka, Loka and then Arupa Loka, that means craving for immaterial existence, and that's the, th- the seventh one. And then conceit. Conceit, the Pali word is called, uh, those are called five fetters, uh, or the people who attain Arahanship, the final goal, they have to overcome all of them hmm, in order to get full attainment. It's only when they get into the first one, they reach that stage, but that's why there's path and fruit. You are going to see the word path and fruit. Path is just first attainment, only one, uh, overcoming one. And then if all of them are overcome together, the rest is uh, attainment, Arahanship. So there's conceit, which you know somebody maybe talked about conceit. I don't know. Mana. Mana is three kinds of measuring. Eh? We measure superior and inferior and the other way around. And also equal measuring. For me, I was in Burma and I started measuring. I'm telling you, there's a monk who was sitting four hours in stretch. For me, I was sitting one hour. I started measuring myself. Say, how can he do it? Then there's a monk, it was a Chinese monk who had a lot of sloth and top. I said, this is a bad yogi, I'm telling you. Every time he was just swaying like this, I said, no, can't he sit still? <laughs> so I had one monk there who was sitting for hours. I had this monk who was all the time swaying like this. I saw this monk actually going to sit near a pole in the meditation hall. Those who have meditated in Burma, there's a big pole in the meditation. He sat next to it. And every time he would swear like this, I would say, he's going to smash his head. <laughs> oh, my Buddha. He's going to smash his head. I start getting worried. <laughs> and he's the same monk, actually, you took pictures of my steps walking. <laughs> I said, you cannot even observe these rules. Rules of the game, you know. These were the rules of the game, especially practicing with Upandita is such a a wonderful monk, but he's very strict. But, but I said, no, I didn't come to Burma to really judge, you know. I just came to get enlightened, you know. I gave up my judging. 
The other monk was sitting for hours and the other one was just kind of useless, basically. Every time we're swaying, <coughs> swaying, I said, what's wrong with this monk, you know? <laughs> Time is up, you know. Anyway, restlessness is not the same as restlessness with the hindrance. Uh, is actually a subtle restlessness. When am I going to get there? So this kind of restlessness can come with somebody who has reached that level. You know what I mean? And ignorance is if this is the last one to go. This is the last one to go. May you attain final liberation in this retreat. Yes, we can. Let us attain final liberation and be free from these fetters that binds us to this samsara. May you be free from suffering and causes. for your reflection. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.